Welcome to the Lair of Secrets podcast, the podcast about gaming and being a geek by two middle-aged geek dads. See, I, <laughs> I changed it there. I see. Uh, I'm Ken Newquist, and I'm caught in a maze of endless meetings all alike. And I'm David Moore, and this week went somewhere. Uh, I'm not quite sure yet where. Uh, I think I'm going to have to check the caverns to see if I can find it. Um, Good luck. Thanks. Uh, what has gone on with with your week? Well, honestly, like aside from the endless series of meetings at work, and and you know, there's this this clever feature that Google tells you now in Google Calendar. It tells you exactly how many meetings you have, how oh, many really? hours of meeting per week it has, and it counts them all up for you. And I don't think it's help helping my mental health, but what is helping my <laughs> mental health, as he holds up the twi- the switch. Uh, is uh, Animal Crossing. So my family uh, returned to Animal Crossing in force this fall because uh, the latest update that came out, the last big DLC, like free DLC push, and then there's a there's a purchase DLC as well that we haven't gotten that one yet. Um, and it has all the stuff that we've been waiting for, particularly my daughter's been waiting for, including the coffee shop, because you got to have the coffee shop. It's in the museum now. Uh, gyroids, which are these little like pieces of stone work that you you find fragments of them buried in the ground and then you dig them up out of the ground and then they make noises. And if you're really clever, which I am not, uh, you can turn them into just a nice little sound array of, you know, a nice little c- c- complimentary cacophony. Uh, my gotcha. daughter's better at this than I am. But, kind of kind of uh, like uh, that, note boxes in Minecraft. I've never done that, so I don't okay. know. But I'll okay. take your word for it. It's like one's going boing, boing, and the other one's bong bong gotcha right and they're just going rhythmically and so if you can figure it out you can set them up so that they they make a pleasant sound rather than one that just wants you to gives you a headache uh i do have an orchestra section to my island that i was planning on reworking with the gyroids but uh i haven't had time for that because of you know all the aforementioned meetings uh there's also these new things called mysterious islands which uh you can travel to that have like different seasons uh there's a whole new set of uh things you can grow so vegetables like tomatoes and potatoes and then you can cook food uh there's this big upgrade to harv's island which before you could go there and model different rooms if you were into that sort of thing i never went okay. to harv's island now there's a reason to go to harv's island because harv's island is where you can go to see the characters that would usually only come like once every couple of weeks if you play as frequently as me uh which made it hard to make progress in the game in some ways. And so now there's right. this place where you can visit a guy and he's he uh, he will sell you the plants that you need. And there's another guy who sells you what is or is not fake artwork. <laughs> contribute to your museum. He's a long okay. red, is a long, uh, long running part of Animal Crossing. It's just part of what goes with it. Uh, it's not earth shattering changes, but it gave us a reason to go back. And it's been cool. My daughter got it. We've been joking, I think. Uh, that she should go, still go to class at college. Like, she should do that and not play Animal Crossing all day. Right. Um, right. Reasonably sure she's doing that. Okay. That's good. That's good. I mean, they yeah. they do have a. There is a benefit uh, in college nowadays um, in that you can take your switch to class. Whereas when we were, you know, in college, you know, playing Masters of Orion or or something like that, that took or civilization that took hours and hours and hours, you had to be at that computer. You couldn't be in class because laptops weren't a thing. Very true. Civ two. Yeah. Uh, Sim City. Yeah. I actually got. Yep. I had a. I think I had a, a government class where we we actually got to play Sim City as as actually as part of class. So yes, yep. I mean. 
she's pretty smart. She can probably come up with a rationale as to why she should be using Animal Crossing in her class. But uh, <laughs> Sim so Tower she, is also another another one that I played, um, which actually started out as a uh, an elevator simulator for programming actual elevators. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I played Sim Ant. I played that for a little bit, not not for very long. I, it was not not as good as uh, the other Sim games. It was not everything that we had hoped it would be from a right. title like Sim Ant. I mean, Sim right. Ant should just be amazing, right? But sounds oh, like it. Apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember much of it. <laughs> so so that was cool, and it got my my son and my daughter and I all like geeking out and texting back and forth as uh, Animal Crossing came out and figuring out who got what. So it was cool. Like you know, my daughter's at college and still play video games and still talking about stuff. So it it was That's that cool. nice moment of connectivity uh, between us that you know it was it was just a nice moment. It was nice to see it carried forward. Yeah. Uh, since you know she's only been playing it for like fourteen years, so. <laughs> <laughs> My other uh, awesomeness this week was uh, I finally got, and this is in no way a criticism of uh, of the folks behind it, uh, my Twilight 2000 box set, which I believe we talked about on several different episodes. Back to Kickstarter. I don't even remember where I backed the Kickstarter. It's been so long. It might have been the end of 2019. Okay. They had challenges with shipping in COVID. This box yeah. got stuck off the West Coast for a while. Then it Maybe got stuck in Indianapolis for a while. Or I'm not quite sure. But eventually right. it made itself to me, made its way to me. That was fantastic. It has funky dice. I don't have any idea what they do, um, but they're cool. And they've got like bullets and the like, target symbols and, and what have you. So uh, it is inspired by the original game, but does not use the same mechanics as the original game. It also came gotcha. with a beautiful, beautiful screensaver. Uh, not screensaver. Screensaver, oh yeah. A screensaver. I'll just put this up in front of it. So I'm holding up the uh, tri uh, panel screensaver. Uh, we are streaming on Twitch. So, yeah. you know, you, at some point we'll actually promote when we're streaming on Twitch and you guys can instead see these things just, in real time. Instead of just like, oh, we're about to record. Maybe we should stream. Um, right. Uh, but it's beautiful. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it looks like World War III that never was, which is the yeah. setup for Twilight 2000. Um, so that was pretty cool. I was very excited. There's chapters on Poland and Sweden, and now I just need some time to read it. But, you know, meetings. Cool. <laughs> so yeah. what have you been up to? Um, Hopefully not meetings. Yeah. Uh, as I said, this, the the week has gone somewhere. Um, the uh, Mostly work. Um, not meetings, but code. Uh, trying to implement micro front ends on a very large project. Um, and... Uh, running into all of the pitfalls that 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 has uh i i described it like like this uh to some of the people that i work with i'll i'll debug things for a while um you know it could be a couple hours could be a day or so and then five minutes after i run into another issue um so that has been most of my day days over this last week or so um but uh skyrim anniversary edition came out and well yeah i got it again uh i didn't get all the <laughs> dlc in the previous one um so i have uh i just had like the vanilla skyrim um not even the the special edition so i uh, like i think i'm going through the dawn guard dlc at the moment you know the the quest lines 
Um, and they've got more places, more housing areas that you're at. So there's like a, uh, a, a little, uh, homestead right outside of, um, winter home. I think it is, uh, that okay. has, that hasn't, it's, it's already pre-built like one of the earlier, I do have the earlier one that allows you to build a house. Um, but this one, it's like, everything is already there, you know, 7,000 gold here at 7,000. You just, it's got the enchanting. It's got the alchemy. It's got all the smithing, all this, it's all set up. And in the basement, actually, there's like a trophy room. And so like, like, for all the dragon priest masks, for all of the claws that get you into cer certain tombs, it's got an area for each of those things. And then a bunch of display cases and mannequins and everything like that already built that you can show off your armors and all that kind of stuff. So if you have, uh, you know, part of, I think the appeal of Skyrim is the collecting of the special things. And this allows you to show off all the special things in a, in, you know, in a certain way. So right. it's, it's been pretty fun so far. I'm not super far into it. Um, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it is, it also still has a lot of the glitches that you would think that an anniversary edition would go and, and get rid of, um, or, or try and work on but some of them are, are still there. Although it does run pretty darn well. Um, load times are really short. Um, the one thing I haven't found is any fortify alchemy items, which was a big bug in the previous okay. ones where you could get into a certain loop and get like, Oh, you can, you can, your potions are 10,000 times more effective. Um, and I don't know if they just took all those items out of the game. So you can't do the loop at all. Um, I've been trying, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I won't go crazy with it, but you know, it's, it, it's a fun thing to do. It, it's one of those things that it's not a bug. It's a feature in this game, uh, with, with some of those exploits like that. Um, right. and I am trying oh so hard not to be the, the stealth sniper, but then the bow, the the early, early on in the game, the game gave me a quest where I killed a, an assassin and the assassin has a special bow that when you draw the bow, it makes you invisible. So it's like, oh, my God, the game, the game is like, <laughs> you really do want to be a stealth assassin. And and it's it's one of those things where uh, if you put the bow away and pull it back out, it makes you invisible again. Um, so, uh, so you can shoot an arrow, put the bow away, pull it back out again, which is just two button presses on a controller, uh, and you're invisible again. And that doesn't mean that the enemy won't find you, but it makes it much, much harder. You It never really even gave you a chance to try something else. Right, right. So I am trying like a one-handed, uh, one-handed weapon, other hand casting um sort of thing but yeah it keeps giving me cool bow things uh and such so uh and and evidently skyrim also for dawn guard added crossbows um yes which is uh which are quite fun and i've been using on smaller creatures as 
uh, I enchanted one. I I made it better on the on the the in the smithing area, and then I enchanted it with soul trap, so that I can shoot spiders and collect their souls, and then <laughs> enchant things. As one does. Yeah. As one does. I'm also I'm also actually playing Skyrim. I got it. I think last Christmas for for the Switch. Okay. And uh, it's ama- it just amazes me that I can just like take it wherever I want now. Um, and so I went away for a couple of days last week, uh, just like a little mental health vacation. And uh, I was playing Skyrim. I, I probably played too much Skyrim. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's the temptation of the bow, right? It's, the yeah. bow is just so good. <laughs> yeah. And especially with a controller. Like, like it's it's not too bad to do some hand-to-hand with a controller. But um, but with the joysticks, it's it can be super easy to lose where your enemy is. Whereas with like, if I would decided to play mouse and keyboard, it would be easier for me to to kind of spin in place and and focus right. up again. Um, and then I think there's different types of attacks that you can do um, depending right. on how you're moving the controller um, or the mouse. But uh, but I just kind of button mash when I end up doing that so um yeah so yeah skyrim's fun uh i've also been doing a lot of reading i'm i'm glad i'm still uh finding time to read um for there's a long portion of my life where uh i i didn't read as much um and so i've been going through and uh it turns out that my library is finally connected uh, that Libby, that that app connects to the Kindle, so that it will send my library books to the Kindle as well. So I'm not spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on <laughs> on books, but I'm still enjoying them. Um, I, I've read like six novels and novellas over the last two months, at least. Uh, I've got a list that I'll put in the show notes, um, but uh, it's been. Uh, a good time to unwind without a real screen. Uh, even though I'm reading on the Kindle, it's, it's not a computer screen. I don't have to sit in my chair. Um, it's been really, really good for getting me out of my own head. And, uh, and, uh, some of the books are definitely inspirations for Dyson fall. Um, and also spoiler alert, I still enjoy Lois McMaster Bujold as an author. Um, <laughs> Specifically, this time, uh, Pen- the Penrick and Desdemona novella series, which is really good. I just finished another one um, yesterday, and I may be picking another one up today <laughs> to continue that. <laughs> they're they're novellas, so they're small. So, yeah. Um, but uh, for those of you out there, uh, we are doing something a little bit different in season two, and so this is kind of our. Um, our main topic today is kind of our run up to season two, like, or, or maybe season three. We're, we're still not quite sure. Um, you know, uh, we're looking to focus on a actual play and on a particular game, scum and villainy. Um, and we've invited some friends of ours to play with us, um, who've also agreed that it's okay to record them and it's okay to be possibly on Twitch. Um, so we'll see about that. Um, but we want to talk about preparing for the game. And then in early 2022, we're going to actually play. Um, 
and uh but and as ken and i have both discussed you know you'd be like why why don't you just start um well the holidays as we have said <laughs> either make for a great stretch of gaming like if you're home from college and all your friends are home from college it works out great or if you're like us usually it's uh, a great uh, a great time for the long dark tea time of gaming um and uh everyone goes and does family things and scatters to the four winds and that is the time when games die so um but yeah we're we're planning on streaming on twitch um both preparatory episodes and the sessions uh we may be doing a a one shot that we will not be recording but just to get everybody familiar with the rules and setting etc um and uh we'll also still have some traditional season one style episodes if uh, i think is the best way to put it um but i've been talking for a little while so ken why don't you take over for a little bit yeah sure so we uh we decided on scum and villainy and so I, I will say as to whether or not we have it what season two and what season three like if we actually had the plan it wouldn't be a layer of secret season <laughs> because you find out the plan at the end of the season it's like the big reveal like where we were going right so uh we'll see we'll see if it's logical to break for season two and have like a lot you know a, this is going to be season three then we'll do that if not it might just be one big long season but either way stay along for the adventure uh so we're, we're talking about Scum and Villainy. Uh, we've talked about Scum and Villainy, I think, once or twice in the past. And so uh, Scum and Villainy is inspired by uh, or descended from Blades in the Dark, which uh, we had a short-lived campaign where we played uh, Blades in the Dark. It's part of the Forge in the Dark series. Holding up my book right now, which uh, yeah. I'm making some good progress on in terms of reading. I am jumping around a lot just to, like, pick up different rules and what have you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you very rarely will read a gaming book cover to cover in order <laughs> yes yeah very very true very true and, and like i'm not as interested in the character part right now like as a player i will want to go back and read through the character stuff but as a potential gm and that's one of the things we'll be figuring out like understanding the mechanics that's that's where my headspace is at right now is understanding the mechanics and like the cool stuff and the stuff that's like oh we may have to spend a little more time on that um, but scum and villainy overall is well as you might expect it is inspired by like Scum and villainy in Star Wars, right? So, uh, and and also, I, I think they draw draw inspiration from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Serenity, and uh, and Firefly, like that kind of like small crew, maybe Definitely. on the run, maybe bounty hunters. Uh, there's actually a couple different options within the book, and one of the things with setting up the campaign is we'll need to figure out like what we want our ship to be and what we want our crew to be. Um, but it's and it's cool. So it's got the same sort of setup and structure that uh, Blades in the Dark has in that you're a crew, you're trying to do stuff in the galaxy. Maybe you're fighting some evil empire. Maybe you're just trying to scrap by on the outer systems. Maybe you're bounty hunters, whatever. Um, and the job is going to start in the middle, and you're going to like fill in the details around the, the edges of it. Um, and it's got the, the cool mechanics from from Blades in the Dark. I will say I haven't read deeply enough into Blades in the Dark to be able to call out like specific new new mechanics in this particular game so at some point i might have to go back and reread the um blades in the dark but if nothing else this the setting is different and uh it's 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 a cool setting <laughs> yeah i haven't i haven't seen anything that's jumped out at me as being drastically different from blades in the dark um you know i'm i'm as as you are jumping jumping around in the book um and 
we're trying to, you know, like things like clocks and a devil's bargain, um, downtime, those things that are in blades in the dark are also in scum and villainy. Um, so I haven't, yeah, I haven't also have not seen a lot of those things, uh, new things. Um, it's, it's a lot of setting and flavor, um, and how do you, how to, and, and the, the way characters are, the types of characters you have. And then I, I think the new thing, the major difference is you're on a ship and the ship has its own sheet. Whereas like in blades in the dark, you had a, a crew or a gang and the gang and the hideout had its own sheet. Right. Um, right. So. so looking at some things that we're, we're excited about or, or games that we like mechanics are like, oh, this is cool. And so I, I guess possibly, we should answer the question like why uh scum and villainy we talked about a couple of different games good question. Fate, obviously it was in the running because we love fate uh but i think the answer was all of our friends were talking about scum and villainy <laughs> it, that <laughs> and was so half we of it. Of, like pulling it together <laughs> yeah that was at least half of it uh the other part of it is at the beginning of the book um it says you know it basically a, a I'll, I'll use the term heist but a, a heist or an adventure is one session you know, a high, it, it's an adventure and some downtime and, and et cetera. And then the next session is completely new adventure. Um, and that, and they also said that uh, there's a minimum of prep that the GM would need to do. Um, I'm not quite sure that I agree with that, but, um, but the idea is, is, um, you know, other than, like NPCs, the 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 characters decide what the heist. A lot of times, what the heist is going to be. You know, if the if the GM has someone they'd like to do, you know, they can they can offer it. But because of the nature of the game, I think that this is where that comes from. Is is because of the nature of the game, it's got to be fluid because the the party decides: Are you going to go in? guns blazing are you going to go in and talking are you going to sneak whatever and all of those things like to prep for all of that would be insane um right and we just don't <laughs> have the time for that um and so and so the game is more fluid in in that sense um and so that's another reason why we we chose it is because we don't have the time uh to plan a two-year-long campaign um right right yeah, so I think the the immediate rest uh, beginning, saying saying that right, yeah, well, I close enough. Was trying to think about that too. <laughs> I, I've heard it, rest, raise, raise. You know, I I don't I don't know that someone correct us. <laughs> we're not here to pronounce things. We're here to talk about games, right? Uh, in any case, starting in the middle. And so like we were just talking about, you know, that's it's a cool, it's a it's an awesome mechanic. Uh, as we saw in Blades in the Dark when we were playing it previously, uh, it. It makes your brain work in interesting ways. Uh, I, I think uh, I see this in my lunchtime game. I've seen it in my D&D games. Like we spend as gamers, we spend so much time planning, right? And coming yes. up with whatever the plan is going to be. And then you execute the plan, which like at least half the time completely falls apart. Uh, so why don't you just skip to the falling apart part or yeah. the place where it goes awesome. And if you have a question as to how you got there, well, cool, we have mechanics for that. So I think that's uh, that's a cool mechanic. I look, I look forward to going back to it. I wish I was using it in our lunchtime game now because I think it would be fantastic. <laughs> Because uh, all of our stuff is heists and we're terrible at it. I mean, it, that is something I think uh, <laughs> that's one of the things that, <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things that really drew me into Blaze in the Dark initially. Um, and then, 
scum and villainy later because I'm also a big Star Wars fan. Um, I used to play Shadowrun a lot, and we'd do two or three entire sessions of just planning the run. Um, (laughs) And then it would be maybe one to three sessions of the actual run happening and all of our plans going out the window. Um, And uh, and the idea was, is, hey, you can skip all that planning uh, and just get right to the run. And I thought that was really, really cool of an idea. Um, and, and the way they accomplish it is, I, I mentioned a little bit ago, was the crew chooses an approach. And then you make a roll and see how that approach worked. And, you know, and that's the situation that you get dropped into. Um, you know, if you roll, if you roll poorly, you know, uh, maybe when you're smoozing to get into the party, uh, you, your schmoozing doesn't go well. And now you're getting kicked out of the party go, um, or you schmoozed your way into the party and, and you're, you're doing great go. Um, and so, and that's, and see that, and that's how you can't plan for that. Um, right. Without. Right. And then you get to the, the locked door that has the Uber security system and, uh, you know, Oh wait, there's, you know, all of this stuff that you're like, Oh my gosh, how did this get here? What are we going to do about it? Well, we flash back and figure out what we're going to do about it. Right. Right. Um, instead of like having, Oh, Oh, how about we retcon that? Right. You know, I know we spent three week three sessions planning this, but obviously we would have figured yeah. this out. So why don't we just say that we did it? Right. Yeah. Or, um, so this game. Yeah. Or, or like in my group, we'd be like, okay, we got to case the joint. We got to look at things. And, and that can be the game itself is that pre-run run of like doing investigation, doing research, casing the joint, whatever, figuring out that this is the, the security system. Okay, how do we beat that? You know, Scum and Villainy allows you to do a flashback. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love our lunchtime game. I love our heists, uh, even if they, they occasionally even go off swimmingly. Uh, but this, I love this mechanic. I think I'm looking forward to that. Uh, another great mechanic that we've talked about before is clocks, which is a way of, of tracking progress for, for towards like short and long-term goals, challenges, threats, what have you. We could, we could talk about clocks for a whole episode. Yeah. Yeah. We it's, may talk about clocks for a full episode. <laughs> we might, we might. It's a, it, I have, I have stolen clocks liberally and used them in my other games. So, um, and I, I, I need to apologize if, if anybody's hearing, uh, my dog Zoe in the background, she wants something, but is just content to lay there and yip rather than you know, <laughs> actually tell us exactly what she wants. Um, so hopefully someone will come and not, I don't have to, hopefully I won't have to stop. Apologies. <laughs> it's understood. It's, it's all just a slice of life, right? Yep. Um, the devil's bargain. I think, um, I think this is an interesting thing, except like a setback plot complication or something else interesting for an extra die when attempting a task. And we'll talk a little bit more about the dice mechanic later on. Um, I think this is cool. I don't know that we leveraged it as much as we could have in when we were doing blades in the dark. Um, but I, I like the idea, just like, you know, compelling an aspect in, in fate or other mechanics and other systems where it's like, do something cool, like incentivizing you to do things, accepting complications and making life interesting. I think, Games that offer you a, an incentive for doing that um, often lead to better role playing, at least in my experience. Yeah, um, and and the neat thing about the Devil's Bargain is it's completely up to the player whether or not they want to take it. 
they can right they they can they can take it and accept it uh and then they get a bonus die immediately or they can take their chances at a possible failure um and not accept the devil's bargain um that's something i think we'll need to go into a little bit i i need to read more um right. to really give good examples and I, and it's one of the things that i i also like about this and fate style games is um like it's got things built in to the the rule book itself explaining but also the rules themselves of like normally the gm would come up with the devil's bargain but if the players have a good suggestion for a devil's bargain there's nothing stopping the gm from saying yeah that's a good one let's use it um right normally in traditional traditional role-playing games you don't normally get that sort of option as a player to make suggestions for what can happen there's nothing stopping it but it's not explicitly written into the rules that you can do it right and i think i think in the book one of the examples they give is that the, the, the crew is coming out of their ship they just docked at the space station uh, oh, and hey, like a rival gang shows up and is confronting them, right? And so as a way of trying to talk their way past it, uh, they might have to burn a source, you know, to say, yeah. hey, well, you know, you know, I'll give you a name if you let us through sort of thing, right? And now the the devil's bargain is you, you burned a source. That's going to come back to bite you at some point in the future because, of course, right. it should. Right. <laughs> um. So another thing that I'm excited about, uh, it'll be interesting as we're working through this because the, the the when we do our actual play, it'll be a limited run. So we want to like kind of gather our resources and figure out where we're going to be focusing. But downtime, I love these games how they approach downtime. I think you know lots of games have downtime. D and D introduced a whole bunch of stuff uh, for downtime in Xanathar's Guide. Um, but I think the thing about Forge in the in the Dark style games is that it's baked into the DNA, right? It, it's part of what your character when you're in the on the heist or the job or whatever, you're spending resources. Downtime gives you a chance to recover those resources while also advancing the plot in interesting ways. And so I think it compels and rewards downtime, which is exciting to me because I think downtime when it works well, it just it advances the plot, advances the timeline. You know, you don't go from level one to level ten in a month because there was never any downtime, right? Yeah, and, and uh, when you say resources, you're not meaning money and things. You're meaning things like the in-game, like uh, character abilities, uh, I right. think is a good way right. to The recharge on character abilities. Yeah. yeah. Um, things that you can only use once per session. But if you don't use the downtime to recharge them, they may not be available in the next session. Um, so it's not like an automatic refresh for some of these things. Uh, which is also right. kind of cool because you could you could kind of string together a couple of things in a row um, if the if the crew decides not to do downtime or not to fully utilize their downtime and that could end up hurting them. Um, but it's a risk reward sort of thing because because there are things that can happen in downtime that aren't so fun, you know, right. <laughs> and like so as examples of downtime, I, I, like just narratively, I really enjoy downtime and in, in particularly in comic books because this is where you you often see it and so yeah. uh hawkeye my life as a weapon fantastic graphic novel if you haven't read it you should totally read it but it's it's hawkeye from the avengers when he's not with the avengers right and so he's just got like this rundown apartment on the fourth story of some apartment building in new york city like 
there's like Russian gangsters he's got to deal with. There's like his neighbors he has to deal with. There's his prodigy he's got to deal with. He's got Pizza Dog, who is just like this dog that wanders in and eats all his pizza. Oh, like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, you know, pizza dog just he's there, right? And so that kind of stuff I just think is cool because there's these slice of life. And you don't normally get that. You, If you don't have a mechanic that's incentivizing it, you don't always get that unless you're purposely as a group trying to find ways to do it. I've certainly done yeah. it in D&D when I ran my my urban campaign, uh, my Dark City campaign many years ago. We did that. Like every third, fourth session was really downtime and just what individuals were doing in the city because the urban environment was so important and building those connections in the city was so important. But you have to be purposeful about it. Blades yeah. in the Dark and, and Scum and Villainy, it's built in. And it allows you to turn your game into a bit more of a soap opera. Which, you know, yeah. with the, like, I, I mean, that's kind of what downtime, that slice of life thing could definitely be more soap opera like. Um, yes. You know, it, it, and it allows for more non adventure role play. Yeah. You know, those romantic entanglements, right? Like, those are things that you're not necessarily doing in your standard dungeon crawl or, you know, right. high octane adventure type thing, right? But, when you have a downtime mechanic, you have a reason to have, like your character could have a family that they, that's part of how they, you know, recharge. Right. Right. And also my other example of a pastime or like downtime is the X-Men playing baseball, right? Like this periodically happens in the X-Men where they just get together and they use their powers or maybe they don't use their powers and they play baseball. And so it's a chance to have like a little bit of that soap opera, like exposition happening in the field. And it's just fun to watch X-Men play baseball. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever, I wonder how new that is in X-Men. Sorry, tangent. But like I when I used to read X-Men, I do not recall. It's probably only one issue. So it's probably would have been easy for me to miss. But I don't yeah. recall them ever playing baseball. Oh, it's it's a recurring trope going back decades. I think it's hard to tell because when I started reading the X-Men, it was in the it was at the tail end of the 80s. And into the early 90s and then i read backwards because you know teenager with a lot of disposable income buy comic books sure uh so i have the i have a very long run of x-men going back into the 80s i think chris claremont um probably introduced it but okay. i can't tell because uh most of his most of what i read at that point was was his stuff gotcha. um yeah it just it pops up every once in a while like it's certainly like you could probably go two years without having a baseball issue of of uh of the x-men but it is definitely a thing that happens periodically. So, um, but it's fun. Like, just what do your characters do when they're not off on a job, right? Maybe they're part of a softball league. Like, I don't know. Right? Uh, um, That's cool. the other thing we were talking that was interesting, and like you say, it's, it has parallels in Blades in the Dark is uh, crew and ship advancement, right? And so, a lot of games you have to jump through hoops to figure out why the heck this band of misfits is together and, and scum and villainy is going to give you an answer to that because you're going to pick your ship, which is going to inform your crew, or you're going to have your crew, which is going to inform your ship one way or the other. But it, I think it helps gel things. And even if you had that kind of very collection of people who or are with them, whereas scum and villainy, that's not necessarily the case. Feeling that out is going to be kind of interesting. Yeah. And, uh, and kind of in tandem with that, there's, um, there's that back and forth, I think, which is cool. Right, like mm -hmm. the well, how about this? And so, you know, I think as the as the GM, I think you're you're pitching. Here's how I see the situation, and the players are more likely to be able to say, "Well, hey, you know, what about this, this, and this?" And you're like, "Yeah, no, that totally makes sense." Um, but there's also, I think, the question of remembering what you can do and when you can do it. And I remember mm -hmm. this being a challenge for me in Blades in the Dark, which is you get you can always add basically three additional dice to your roll. You're going to get a pool of dice based on your 
can't remember if they're called skills. I think they're skills. Yeah. Uh, in in scum and villainy, right? And so you have that kind of base, but you know you can add to it. And so one thing you can do is you can pull in your gambit, which is kind of like general luck, weirdness, whatever that's associated with a ship or the crew. It's a pooled resource. I think to start you get two, um, but it may depend on the ship. Uh, and so that's just a, a resource that anybody could tap, and and you get a die. There's the devil bargain, and devil's bargain, which we already talked about. And you have to remember, though, I think that's one of the challenges. Like we, it's a good challenge to say, oh, I'm I'm up, my back's up against the wall. I wonder what I've got how, in my back. How do pocket, I get extra right? dice? Yeah. Right, right. Uh, and, and then, then other people uh, can help as well. Right, other I people think. can help. And yeah, and so the assist. And so I think the challenge with the assist is is different in so much it's like trying to, to get the narrative spin on it, right? Like, so it's not just a, a dice bump, but it's a, and I did this, I do this thing to help you rather than just, yeah, I assist on your survival check, right? Um, so remembering those things, remembering to leverage them and just kind of bringing them to the fore, I think is, it's just a, it's a thing as we work through, as we learn the mechanic and really like remember the mechanic and use the mechanic. It's one of those things that we'll need to, to focus on. And, and combat's different as well. I mean, it's not like yes. round to round. It's more like, this is what happened in this narrative time frame. Um, and there might be several, several roles for it, but it, that's one of the things that I really need to. It's it's yet it's just another conflict at that point. Yeah, narratively uh, and game wise, I'm going to need to really read into how would combat work and and remember how to do that. Yeah, and I think there's there's a lot of uh, my sense in reading through it this week was that there's a lot of judgment calls, kind of like fate. There's a lot of fluidity around skills and what they can be used for, mm-hmm. and and often I think that's decided collaboratively at the table. So I, I actually managed to flip open to the right page in the book and like so you've got you know, these uh, actions and, and attribute ratings. And so there's things like doctor, hack, rig, study, helm, scramble, uh, scrap. And I think scrap's like the fight one. But you're in an encounter and you might, you know, figure out a way that you could use Skulk in the combat to like, you know, sweep the leg or what have you, right? Right. And I think it's that the game is encouraging that back and forth of like, you've got your skills. Just because you're the doctor doesn't mean you're going to sit off to the side and do nothing, right? Right. Maybe you whip out the syringe and just, sneak you know a little a little jab right and yeah suddenly that guy's yeah. your friend or something yeah somebody somebody uh decks someone and they come into range and you happen to have the injector rather than being in the fight you inject someone as they happen to be nearest you but not focused on you and yeah there's a lot of stuff that in there that allows you to be in a fight even if you're not a combat character and it's much more of a television or movie fight um right. than it is a traditional game fight where everybody has to be a combat person. Right. And that's why I like the, I like the potential like we had in the, in the army Corps of engineers game with fate where, you know, feeding the monster, a special brownie, right. Getting him to be your friend is legitimate strategy. Right. I don't know that it goes quite to that extreme, but it does get you to think differently about the skills that you have in your character sheet and how they might be leveraged in any particular encounter. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really looking fun forward to like, it kind of opens up, it restricts in some way, but opens up in others how the game is going to flow. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to telling cool stories collaboratively. So there's some logistics we're also going to need to figure out as we're as we're kind of setting up the, the campaign. Um, right. One game master or two. Yep. Or more. Who knows? Or more. I think. Or more. You could do yeah, an anthology think, style. I think <laughs> one or two for this initial run. But if we enjoy it so much, we might can, we might do more. Yeah, I mean, we are doing a very limited 
we we know that we're only doing a few months of games. We're not doing a year or two years of games. Yeah, one or one or two game masters is is still up in the air. But I I like the you know because each session should be a self-contained adventure and downtime, etc. And then the next session is completely new. We could do more of an anthology style of things, you know, or more episodic style of of game or television show type of game. Right. Different writers on different seasons. You know, you have multiple writers on the same season. Right. There's a different vibe for some of those, but they're connected to by the themes that were established in the earlier episodes. Right. So, yeah, because, you know, the advantage to having two game masters is we both get to play. Mm-hmm. Um, or others get to play. Like we haven't actually met with a crew yet uh, to to talk about. You know, there there could be others amongst us who are interested in doing it. But you get a lot more like the potential for like narrative focus when you have one game master kind of carrying it forward. But this is a game where everybody's riffing and improvising, so it may lend itself to having multiple game masters. I think yep. it'll be a an interesting thing to think out, think out, think out, figure out. <laughs> yeah, and it's also nice. the The format also really helps with what if someone is away they just don't happen to be there for that particular heist um and that's okay right and then they know that they're not you don't have to figure out how to get them into the middle of a heist the next time they're there because that heist is already over right and even if we ended up having setting splitting uh one heist over two sessions you know two and a half two to two and a half hours one night two and a two to two and a half hours the other night Somebody just showing up. I think the the session lends itself to that. That was always the plan. Yeah. Yes. You <laughs> right? could do. Yeah. You could call for a flashback, and then so and so shows up. Princess Leia pulling off the bounty hunter helmet. Right. Exactly. Right. Like she just missed a session. Right. <laughs> yep. Um, we talked already. Ships first, characters first. I think there's advantages to doing it either way. You know, we talked about should we be following the rules or do we want to break them to start. Yeah. Um, I mean, do, I we, do we drift? System, but... Yeah. Do we drift slash hack the rules starting out or do we try and stay as close to rules as written as possible? I know there's a huge community around Fortune of the Dark that that drifts and, and makes new stuff. Um, you know, Scum and Villainy has been out for a while, but, you know, there was a uh, another another game out there that basically said, hey, we uh, a fan-made game of hey we did shadow run in forge in the dark and you know that's a fairly new thing i think and there's a there's now a f- i am not as in touch with the gaming industry as i used to be but there are more than a handful of forge in the dark games out there now that have kind of rift immediately <laughs> from the initial blades <laughs> in the dark um and it kind of encourages that so uh, I won't feel bad if we drift from session one. And so perhaps what is the biggest question? I don't know. We'll see when we actually get the crew together. Uh, there may be other bigger ones, but uh, for us at least is uh, setting. So Scum and Villainy comes with its own uh, default setting, kind of it's in- inspired by like, you know Star Wars. There's there's the way and there's mystics yep. and, and what have you, uh, which is just you know re- rebranded Jedi. But it also kind of de- definitely has aspects that are, you know, like we talked about before, Guardians of the Galaxy, Serenity, Firefly, other sources of inspiration in that in yeah. that genre. Speaking of I mean, drifting kind of... from session one, <laughs> session zero <laughs> might be what setting are we playing, which immediately goes away right. from the book. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. It, or you know, you can build your own. It certainly lends itself to that kind of 
world building, especially with like the downtime and 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 all of it. Or do we go with Star Wars? Because tried and true, plus side to Star Wars that I always found uh, in the early days, the, my group had the challenge of we didn't want to play Star Wars because uh, it felt weird, like playing in a setting where all of you know it was already established where you're not going to play Luke Skywalker, so why do you want to play the game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a since subsequently like. The shared lore, the shared understanding as the universe built out over time, right? There's just so much there. There's so many resources to pull on to tell that story. Um, and there's a lot of corners to the galaxy. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, we've been going for just about an hour. We we always try and make it a little shorter and it always ends up right about an hour. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe that's good because if we didn't try to make it shorter, maybe we'd probably be extra long. Uh, thank you for listening. If you have feedback, uh, we definitely love feedback. Uh, you can send it to us at podcast at layerofsecrets.com or via Twitter at layerofsecrets.com. You can also visit layerofsecrets.com and leave feedback, topic ideas, or your own thoughts on uh, on what we've talked about. Um, you know, We also put out some blog posts out there that are not released on the podcast, but might be of interest to you. So uh, head on over there and thank you.